Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio is a podcast created to seek the truth by interviewing researchers of the unknown. From the primitive areas of America to the wilds of other countries worldwide, we believe that the answer to the Bigfoot phenomenon and other high strange lies within the investigators pursuing these mysteries. Join me, Lauren Smith, as I delve into the experiences and methods of those questing for answers to things that most don't even know exist. Often witnesses themselves, they are knowers and seekers of the truth, just like you. Good evening and welcome to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight we have Jonathan Easley from Western Bigfoot Exploration on here. Um, He just recently got back from a very exciting trip that we're going to talk about. And I don't know if you guys have heard about the Colorado sighting. Um, He has some information on that as well that we're going to chat about. Uh, In the chat, it is jumping tonight. So I'm going to put it on the screen for everyone because we're probably going to be referring to the chat quite a bit. And I want everybody on YouTube to be able to see that. So without further ado, you guys make sure you hit that subscribe button, like, drop a comment. What you think and keen above all give my don't give my moderator something to do tonight all right they're always bored every show let's keep it that way and if you have a question for the guest type it in all caps all right how you doing tonight jonathan so far so good can't complain happy to be on <laughs> well i'm happy to have you i know that i've been trying to get you on for a little while now so thank you for being willing to come on tonight And um, I know that we were waiting until after your trip. And so you're back. You're back from your trip. In one piece with no broken bones. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) uh, Kind of spectacular to be able to say after what we did. So (laughs) I feel like, yeah, exactly. I feel like the fact that you uh, made it back is is a big achievement because um, the people that you went with, while amazing, a few of them might have a tendency to get you lost. You know yeah yeah <laughs> one in particular <laughs> not not naming any names tate hieronymus uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so we are oh my gosh and so it starts your first question of the night has jonathan been out with chris spencer no have not been out with chris spencer but you know in this whole bigfoot community you talk to these people through messenger and email and you actually like do like work together and they'll make, they might review something that you recorded. So you feel like you've, sometimes you forget that you haven't camped or ever met these people, but they feel right. like you know, close friends of yours. It's so weird. So like, yeah, last year I did send them a, a vocal that was recorded by a guy that was literally shoulder to shoulder to me that we both yeah. heard. And uh, he got funny. back to me with that info saying what he thinks about it. And, uh, yeah, but other than that, he and I have communicated, but never camped together. Haven't had the privilege yet. Yeah, um, so that is Todd Hale's standard question. He asks mm. it every time he's ever uh, chimed into my chat. That is his standard question. So yeah. <laughs> you have been blessed by Todd Hale's oh, standard Todd. question. You're welcome. All right, so uh, I'm going to briefly have you go over what got you started in the Bigfoot field, in the in the phenomena of squatch well as a kid i was always that weird kid that liked to watch x files when he was too young to be watching that <laughs> yeah um and uh you know I, I got into like camping hiking and all that in uh 
the latter years of my life so far. And, uh, you know, it just started hitting me that out of all the things that all the weird things that are kind of out there, Bigfoot's probably the one that's most possible to exist. And this all stemmed from like, once I started hiking and backpacking again, having thought I saw something at the corner of my eye in Sequoia and going, oh my gosh, you know, what if these things are out there? What's the probability? Then you go down this internet wormhole of all the crazy people and you spend a couple years kind of weeding out the people you think are legit and the people that you know are just absolutely crazy because believe it or not, Bigfoot brings out the absolute craziest people you will ever meet in your life. It, it also brings does. out some of the most intelligent. So you got to kind of find who's doing what, where, and yeah. you know, what they're, who they're of. And then anyway, yeah. So yeah. yeah. And then I ended up here. Okay. Um, so what made you start getting out in the field and, and just, I mean, true, like starting your YouTube channel and um, basically, I mean, I'm one of those people that I, I love educators. I love the people that not just, they don't just start the channel to say, Hey, I'm going to go hike and you can follow along, but the people that are sharing all of their evidence, their tactics, you know, educating others on it. And you seem to be mm -hmm. one of those people. I've watched quite a few of your videos. Um, and I love them because you share your adventures, which is amazing, but you're sharing also your tactics, your research. Um, what, what made you start all that? Well, when I started, you know, backpacking and hiking a lot, I noticed that, you know, well, a lot of the Bigfoot community maybe is not as active in to backpacking and hiking as I was. Mm -hmm. So I might have tried some things that they didn't do, you know, go off in places where, you know, five or five to 10 miles of hiking and then trying to do all those tactics that you see on finding Bigfoot out there. I started off with that. But uh, it all it's I was in Sequoia in this place, right? And there was this law enforcement ranger and we kind of struck up this conversation out in the middle of nowhere about Bigfoot. And he goes, you're not going to believe this. And he starts showing me these pictures, you know, and it's this like, it looks like a trackway. And this is very early when I started. So I wasn't like, you know, I, I didn't follow it up maybe like I should have, but it just hit me like this trackway looked really real. And it was from a law enforcement officer. It was a lot of outdoor experience. And I started kind of looking for those type of people out in the woods, you know, yeah. uh, law enforcement. Uh, I talked to a professor down in Porterville. He was a, it was a teacher at the community college. He had a sighting and it started to hit me like, you know, there's a lot of crazy people out there, but there's also a lot of people that are very, very legitimate and maybe mm -hmm. didn't intend to have these encounters or stories. And I always wanted to tell those people's stories to everybody. You know, there's right. too many crazy stories. There's like a lot of nonsense. But there's these real, very, very real stories. And I wanted to right. tell those. And it took me a few years to go, you know what? I should start a YouTube channel and make kind of cinematic videos that people can watch mm -hmm. and uh, have those people included and highlight those stories, you know, so more people get to see them. Yeah. So. No, I love that. I love that. It's much needed. And, um, you know, something that I tell people, it's because everyone's like, oh, Bigfoot. Like I had a client today and I mentioned my podcast and she did the, oh, that's nice, you know, and I just wanted to add this is, yeah, it was like awkward. And I was like, well, what I tell people is it's the six degrees of Bigfoot. If you mention mm -hmm. Bigfoot to someone literally never fails, they're gonna be like, oh, you know what? My cousin's sister's boyfriend had a sighting and he saw one and he swears it was a Bigfoot. And um, you just, 
especially with, after Finding Bigfoot came out so many years ago, it got easier to talk about. And now um, you have the crazies, you have the ones that are just, they look at a picture of a, of a wood line and they see 20 Bigfoot. Um, you, you have the ones that can see them interdimensionally and whatever have you, but <laughs> Coming you also out of a have, or whatever I've heard it yeah, all. you know, um, but you also have the ones who, like you said, our law enforcement, our doctors, we have um, a chiropractor here in Tulsa who is a Bigfoot researcher. And mm. um, he actually, I think, just spoke at the Hanobi conference. I believe it's the same man. It's just, mm. it's, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's awesome that you found so many legitimate people to share their story. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as far as like techniques and stuff go, I'm out there just like anybody else, just trying new stuff. I think everyone's mm -hmm. tried both like the most basic to the most ridiculous of things. Yes. And yeah. uh, I like yeah. to share what we do, you know, like so far on my channel, I haven't shared some of the crazy stuff we've done. But yeah. like uh, I was out there this summer with Tate and Ron uh, Reed, Tate Hieronymus and Ron Reed. We were blasting, they were blasting this laser light show onto the tree with loud music. And I just thought that was so different, you know, things like yeah. that, like crazy stuff. And believe it or not, you know, people have had some sort of success with that, you know, something I've, completely different than of, what these yeah. creatures have seen. I've heard of people doing that, um, shining the different lights, um, the, you know, the light you can use that it puts just dots on everything. Mm. I've seen people use that. I've seen people do uh, drums, of course, you know. Um, I, I recently experienced a group of people that uh, they shroomed and research bigfoot so that they could connect to them were you on a higher in that plane. group lauren was that no <laughs> but no. <laughs> but i was very supportive of them doing that because i wanted to yeah. know if it worked i'm like you know <laughs> i may not participate in every technique that someone uses but i would like to follow up and find out if it works i mean wouldn't that be awful if that was a thing that worked like if these people took and it turns <laughs> out that that's exactly how you find bigfoot and if you want to see him that's what you have yeah. to do like you literally, you have to shroom until you leave your body and then you can yeah. meet Bigfoot. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah the Jack Black moment. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, I mean, I, whoever wants to try it, just be safe and document the know. hell out of your process. Yeah, let me know. Um, okay, so Bigfoot Society, Jeremiah Byron said, question, what is your favorite piece of Bigfoot evidence from the last 10 years? Oh, well, I think he's setting up my... My last video that I put out, uh -huh. and I think that's the best evidence in the last 10 years. Um, if you go back, I got this latest video. It features a guy named Todd Samples and his friend uh, Doug Ch Chaz. Doug Chaz. And uh, they had another friend with them that day. So it was three gentlemen that drove up what's called the Go Road in Humboldt County. So this is the road. It's a long paved road that you take forever to get to mm -hmm. these locations like the Patterson Gimlin film site, Laos camp, all those old Bigfoot uh, places that are up there. And um, they were driving up the go road just to see Doug Che. Uh, Tate's correcting me there. Sorry, Doug, if you're out there, but so uh, they're driving up this paved road and you drive into the 10 mile marker, which is way, way, way out. It's already an isolated place as it is Willow Creek, that area. Driving yeah. up that go road, you just get way out there. And they were driving up as far as the as they could, and they came up to the 10-mile marker. 
And when they got out of the car, they noticed this fresh track line of footprints. Well, they figured out it's probably a guy's and they started walking up going, you know what, guys, there's toes in this. And the more stuff they took, they started to see some clearer and clearer prints. You can see all kinds of details in, in, the, in these footprints. Now, they're not your avid researchers, so they didn't do things like try and take a cast or even right. take as many pictures as they could. They kind of took this quick video and took a few pictures. They did break out a tape measure toward the end, and they measured that the tracks were between like eight, uh, I believe they were 12 inches in the mm -hmm. snow. So maybe give or take an inch, who knows? But yeah. if you look at the pictures in the video, I presented all their speech about it, all their opinion about it. I didn't interject anything of mine. And you can see, I mean, it looks like a great trackway. I mean, right. there's there's things like um, the stride opening up as it went downhill to be almost eight feet. Although to me, it looked about maybe six feet. You know, that's like, I don't see how a human can take that long a stride going on the downhill area. Like they, these yeah. guys were almost sliding down on their butts. And this thing was, you could see the steps going down. And it was fresh snow. No one else had been there. So I think that that's, that might be the greatest evidence in the past 10 years. Okay. I think that's a great answer. Um, I've seen, I've seen some stuff that definitely got me excited. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but there's, you know, Patty, the Patty film, obviously for me is like our greatest piece of evidence, but he did limit it to 10 years because JB. Yeah, I know. To, got us with that one. JB likes to make you have to dig deep and think I know, about it. I know, man. Can't That's why he's so good at what he do. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, this dude wants to talk about the video out of Colorado. So. All right. Well, that's been going around. Uh, have you yeah. ran into it yet, uh, Lauren? I did. I It's been all through my feed. Anytime anything comes out with a sighting, it's like all through my feed, Facebook, Instagram, and then it's sent to me 35,000 times. You know, my great aunt Gertrude is sending it. You know, I don't have a great aunt Gertrude, but if I did, she would be sending me anything related to Bigfoot. Um, so... <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, I've the, seen it. The, uh, um, I've seen the still shots. Uh, I think Todd mm -hmm. Gatewood maybe has he had already stabilized it and sent a still frame on his page. Um, and I'll let you I'll let you talk. <laughs> it's, you know, so I'm not the only one that did this, but I contacted the lady named Shannon. Really nice lady, by the way. She answered right back to my tech as I sent her this big old message. You know, I'm Jonathan. Yeah. You, know, you have to like look like you're not crazy. So they answer you. And uh, she ended up telling me kind of how it went down. And I also kind of clicked on her. If you go to her, like, these, I mean, yeah. these, their pages are public. So if you click on, I guess, the guy's page, you can see him explaining to his friends. And it's the same account that she had. Only four people total on that entire train saw this thing, according to them. Mm -hmm. And they were the four people in the very back. And the only reason it was spotted was because they were looking for elk on the uh, mountainsides okay. and they had spotted this thing starting to walk and there was a gentleman next to them uh that started filming it so that's his video okay and then the this this lady's husband who i communicated with he was taking he was uh kind of guiding her like it's over here it's over here and she ended up taking some still shots the still shots mm -hmm. were hers you know okay they're totally genuine like i 100 percent believe that they were just looking out off the train and they saw what they saw, whether it's real or not, I can't yeah. say, but 
I will 110% say that they weren't involved in it. They yeah. look like they're just, they're not into the subject. They're not, it's not yeah. their thing. They were just on a train ride, happened to get this picture. Now that said, I'm, I don't know if you saw the other pictures kind of circulating. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, there's like a, a Bigfoot <laughs> in the Silverton, the town of Silverton, uh, their advertisements. Yeah. And the suit looks, is it the same one? I don't know. I don't think so, but it looks similar. Yeah. And the fact that they yeah. did put a, a Bigfoot in there. And then if you do look at the the uh, zoomed in and uh, kind of stabilized sh shots, mm -hmm. um, it does look pretty yeah. bad. But as far as those people being involved in some kind of a hoax, you could rule that out. Uh, they're, yeah. they're pretty genuine. They're just people that recorded it and kind of put it out there. And then the Daily Mail and all these big yeah. You know, big old newspapers picked it up, I guess. So that's why we're seeing well, it everywhere. I'm glad that you reached out to her and thank you for sharing um, mm -hmm. what you gathered on uh, from them that obviously yeah. they, you know, they were not part of it. They witnessed it, um, which means they may have been part of a hoax, but not, mm -hmm. they were the unwitting victims, not the perpetrated. Perp yeah. And she's even words. like, let me know what I got. I got what you're trying to say. Yeah, words. And words. <laughs> um, I don't have any of them tonight, apparently, but. Um, I think I looked at it and the hair is awfully high. So mm -hmm. Mr. Bigfoot has a pompadour, it looks like. Um, and then yeah, he's very shiny. He's got like the Fabio Pantene Pro V commercial hair going on, which mm -hmm. he could, you know, Bigfoot in Colorado could have a healthy, healthy diet of elk and whatever and have beautiful, luscious locks. Um, to me, it just it really did look like a suit. And I think that it would be a great way to hoax somebody if you posted up next to a train track in a suit and mm -hmm. walked and then sat down like, oh, you didn't see me, you know, but um, yeah. but I'm glad that you followed and up with them to make sure. That one thing didn't. that she says, what she doesn't think it's although she's open to it, she's not like totally against it. Um, she's just like, I don't know, guys, give me more info to convince me otherwise, because. She's like, why would someone be out that far? Like, we wouldn't have seen him. But, you know, devil's yeah. advocate would say maybe they messed up. They went too far. You know, what they thought was, yeah. you know, up close and that the whole train would see turned out to be only yeah. four people that were looking hard at it. So I think they yeah, messed which, up, maybe messed up a hoax. <laughs> yeah. Great mountain air and sunshine do wonders for the hair, mm -hmm. uh, according to according to Alex. So there we you go. Know. Yep. <laughs> I agreed before I heard what you said. Um, he's, got that, he's got that wavy type deal where he has to do like this when he talks to you. So. Oh, my God. I can't. Okay. So, um, yeah, I've seen a, a few uh, comparison memes of Bigfoot costumes uh, next to the still frames from that uh, video. So, um, you know, we may never know um, unless somebody comes out to it. But... Uh, I think I, I've, I have not seen video in recent years at all that have, has seemed real to me that has been like, oh my God, now that's compelling. I just, yeah, I no, I'm in um, the same boat. I'm in the same boat. It's all disheartening and sad. It is very disheartening because people, you but, know, it's passed around and they're like, that one's for sure a Bigfoot. And I'm like, that like that one it yeah. walks like a man or it has a suit on or um you know just whatever there's just things that you can pet pick out in the video and you're yeah. just like that's not it um i would love for it to be it that's the thing is like i would love for every video sent to me to be actual like this is it no doubt but 
Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tate, Tate, you little surface pooper, just stop it. Just stop <sighs> it. Does Kip know that we're having a show tonight and his name will be mentioned? I feel like someone should message him. Message him. I turned into Sean Connery. Yeah. Okay, so um, I would like to hear about your recent trip with the boys listed on the screen here. Yeah, so I was with Tate, Ron Reed, Kip Morrill, and a guy named Glenn was going to join us uh, when we got to a certain checkpoint, and he's the smartest one out of all of us because we never got to that checkpoint. What we try to do is hike from, um, we try to hike from the Bluff Creek Bridge, which is Highway 96. And what you do is, you know, that's where everyone has their Bluff Creek sign uh, picture. So you see everybody. And well, under that bridge, that's where Bluff Creek spills into the Kalamath. And I say Bluff Creek, it's like Bluff River because there's so many drainages that drain into it that by the time it gets there, it's like a full-blown river. It's just boulders and I mean, there's nowhere to walk and you wouldn't know that unless you tried it. So we were like, well, let's be the ones that try it, you know, and see how far we make it. We did have an expectation to make it up to a certain point and that trail just kicked our butts. Like, I mean, it was literally like crossing uh, waist deep in water several times. And every oh and the current was really strong. And we're taking yeah. also Ron Ron brought his dog, his adventure dog, who comes with us everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And we got that dog up there a mile too. And he was he was he did great actually. I think he did the best out of all of us. But um yeah, it was like waist deep water, the current trying to take you down. You know, I got like four thousand, five thousand worth of uh dollars worth of camera gear on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, my camera's not cheap. Yeah. I didn't eat it, luckily. I think I'm the only one that didn't eat it at one point. But yeah, it was just boulders and everybody scuffed and scraped up. I don't know how we didn't, you know, break a bone or something like that. But I do believe that we're uh, we're probably the people that have last been that far up Bluff Creek mm-hmm. because we saw zero signs of humans. And we haven't even heard. We ran into an old gold mine, uh, old gold mining operation there. Could have been yeah. silver. I don't know. Some mining operation up there with sluice boxes and it's all blown away. And, you know, who knows the last time that's seen that. There's no information on it. So, yeah, we got ourselves in a pretty sticky situation, cool adventure, and then uh, had an emergency camp on the side of a little beach. That hike kicked our names and took our booties, says Tate Hieronymus. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we emergency camped on this little tiny slab of beach, which was the only place that we could have possibly camped. Yeah. And then we hiked on back. So, yeah, we went on a pretty crazy adventure and just barely survived. That's crazy. That's why I said at the very beginning that I'm glad you made it back in general, because it's from what I saw on Instagram that was posted. And then from what you told me, um, it's just that one was rough on you guys. And I know uh, like Kip, for instance, like he's been there a million times and I believe Tate's been there a ton. You've been there a lot. Mm -hmm. And so um, just, you know, (laughs) see. Kip said he cried himself to sleep that night. Yeah, Kip actually slept on a uh, rock, like where the river was coming by, kind of. And oh he slept God. on this small boulder that actually like protruded into the river a little bit. So if he would have like dozed off and rolled over either way. Oh my goodness. He would have gone down the... <laughs> Maybe he would have floated Jeez. back to the trailhead. Who knows? I don't know. Has anyone done a study on everyone that's ever camped with Tate and the the 
things that have happened that weren't um, safe. Uh, has anyone done like compared notes on that and like maybe just throwing that oh, out man. there? There's nothing that you can document and show to other people. It's all like inappropriate. Because <laughs> um, the last time I had Tate on, we learned so, so much about what camping with Tate is like. Yeah. Um, he, it's interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that he's... <laughs> I, yes. I'm just wondering. It's for science, Tate. It's for science, okay? <laughs> And possibly other people's lives may depend on the answers to these questions. All right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, Kip is with us. I always feel like I'm leading a seance when I say that. Like Kip is with us now. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So um, I anyway. Uh, so did you guys have any activity during your camp out that just was you know? We didn't. Worth telling and in this particular canyon in Bluff Creek, it's amazing. Like you look up and the canyon is just like a straight wall in front of you. I mean, it goes up, I don't know, maybe five, six hundred feet. Um, so I didn't we didn't even we don't even know how some wildlife can make it into that canyon. As a matter of fact, we stopped seeing footprints really soon in that hike. Uh, we did go to other places. Uh, we camped at the uh, it's called the cell site above the Patterson Gimlin film site. Um, we went down to the Patterson Gimlin film site, hiked all around. We didn't have any activity this entire trip, um, which is unfortunate because the past couple years we've had little things happen here and there. Um, uh, not little things, I guess, by Bigfoot standards, because usually nothing yeah. happening is the norm. But we had some, uh, we did have some neat stuff happen the past couple years uh, in this particular area that we go to from footprint finds, what we think was a trackway. Um, we pulled all this hair off of a certain tree in a place called Laird Meadow. Laird Meadow has some historical significance because it's where uh, Roger Patterson actually cast a footprint. 1963, okay. I think. So he's got this big old footprint, which they think is the same individual that Jerry Crew casted. So That's crazy. Um, and, uh, tell me about the, the hair. Okay. So we pulled hair samples off this one tree that had this big snap on the top of it. And uh, we've been to this place before. We've been to Laird Meadow. But this time we noticed the top of the tree was snapped right in the middle of the meadow. So we walked out there and noticed it was covered in all this hair. So we had never really collected hair. So we tried our best to do it safely as possible and mm -hmm. not get contaminated, you know. Right. Not knowing that DNA studies cost like four or $5,000 anyway. So we ain't going to do that. But we collected a bunch of hair and our buddy Damon... Uh, reached a little bit higher than we did, and he collected a hair as well. The hair that he collected was about maybe four or five inches long. Um, the hairs that we collected were a little bit smaller and kind of curly. We took those to the North American Bigfoot Center and met with Cliff, and he took a look at them, and he showed us right off the bat, you know, when the hairs are squiggly like this, they're usually bare. We took a look, and they were bare. Okay. Uh, Damon went the next day with the hair off the same tree but much higher, and they start running it through the microscope, and they're like, you got to see this. It looks just like the hair that they have on display that was uh, collected. Oh boy. By Tom, I can't, Tom Shay, I think it was. Um, he picked up off of a Bigfoot trackway. He saw a Bigfoot walking. He picked up the hair. They look at the hair. It has no medulla. Then it's tapered. And mm -hmm. uh, typical Sasquatch hair that they find every great once in a while. Um, so, 
yeah, we, uh, I mean, the group that we were with pulled this random mystery hair that uh, people haven't been able to identify. It's in like Dr. Meldrum's book. It'll show you a nice mm -hmm. graph of those, show you nice pictures. It's that that's one awesome. with the medulla that's unidentifiable. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good piece of evidence. Um, I know, you know, we can get tracks and everything, but I feel like physical scientific evidence that we can study and look at. And I think that's, that's phenomenal. That's a good find. Yeah. I bet you yeah, guys were so not, stoked. Well, they can't say <laughs> this is a Bigfoot hair. You know, it's, it's still like a, a, it's still a question to science. Like you found a hair that science has yet to explain. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. amazing. I mean, I just, uh, we're, we're closer every day. Every time you guys go out, every time a researcher gets something, we're closer. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh, my God. Can we? When is Kip really moving to Washington? That whole post today about killed me on Facebook. Um, but it rains I, a lot there. It so, rains a lot there. And why did nobody may, tell him that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So can you tell me a little bit about your methods when you... Um, when you go out, whether it's on an expedition or just even just a day research, I don't know if you do day hikes or anything, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything I do is just theory based on stuff that I've heard, the things that maybe I believe you talk to a certain researcher that something worked for them and you kind of have faith in that researcher and mm -hmm. you'll do the same thing and maybe it works for you. But, um, you know, a few examples, um, you know, I, I like using the knock technique. I'm big on that. Like, you know, I've talked to Robert Laderman. He made a point years ago that uh, I think Tate touched on on this show that if you if you do a vocalization, you know, and they might recognize that vocal. They might say, that's not my cousin Eddie up there or whatever, you know. But if you do a knock, all knocks are going to kind of sound the same. So mm -hmm. I am a big believer in like staying away from the use of any vocalizations up until kind of you're, I guess, all done with uh, <laughs> if you're not getting anything at all. Yeah. Um, in Laird Meadow one year, we heard it was myself, Alex Petikoff, Eli Watson. They were filming for Small Town Monsters, Tate. And uh, Ron was up in a group that went up the road and we had parked at the same, the same place, Laird Meadow. And we started doing um sporadic like knocks um every like half hour or so and it wasn't until we were all spread out in this meadow right hiding in the bushes and it wasn't until somebody from the group down the road did a vocalization that all of a sudden it was like if all hell kind of broke loose it was like what sounded like a branch being thrown right before there was this big champagne bottle sound that you can hear on my channel mm -hmm. uh I can't think of what it was. It doesn't sound like a piece of wood, but it might be. Um, it's just this big coop-loop, and it was so loud. Like, I mean, things, you know, things on an audio recorder pick up really quietly. I mean, this yeah. was loud. Like, this blasted through the meadow, that stick branch, though, and then mm -hmm. that big champagne bottle sound. And uh, in the next few minutes, we heard uh, knocks, loud knocks down the way down the trail, knocks behind us and i mean we heard knocks that night i want to say I, I might say 50 yards away there was one point where i said i can literally hear the bark split on the tree you know yeah it was that close so 
yeah, that was a pretty crazy night. So do they knock on trees? I think they do. I think I yeah. heard what I heard. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, I don't know. I'm big on that. Um, so what, what do you think the knocks mean? Because I know that in different areas, they can mean different things. Um, over the years, like my mom and I, we've noticed that when we would enter the woods, we would hear two knocks. And then when we left the woods, we would hear two knocks. And so it was almost like a sentry letting someone know, hey, a human's in the woods and then, hey, a human's out. And so we personally don't knock because it's alerting them that a human's in the woods. Not that they don't know anyway, but um, that's that's where we are here in the South, in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas area. We don't knock for that reason. So have you found or do you have a theory as to what the knocks mean in your areas? Based on what I've experienced um, I think that it's some kind of, hey, I'm over here, like a locating device. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're spread out. What I, This is what I think happened. I think we pulled up in the trucks and they spread out. We hid in the bushes and they were still spread out all over the place. And maybe they moved in different directions. And the knocks were kind of uh, letting each other know where they are. What a better what better way to do that, too? Like even as yeah. humans, if we're on one side or the other side of like a, a dark meadow, we can yeah. almost, and we know that we're knocking to each other, you know, it'd be like yelling, Hey, to each other. I mean, we, it's something that we recognize. And if they're right. recognizing that they can hear that for long ways, as loud as it right. was. So I don't know. That's what I think. I think it's kind of, yeah. I'm over here. Yeah. So then what is your thoughts on rock clacking or have you ever witnessed rock clacking? Okay. So not rock clacking, but I did experience another sound that people um, might affiliate to either rock clacking, I don't know. This is what I heard. I was in the Northern Sierra Nevada mountains and uh, we were camped out. It was an expedition where a few people in that group had had activity going on for the last few years in that area and they were trying out a new spot. And we did a bunch of you know vocalizations. We had this coyote collar thing going on all night, just blasting you know, to try to elicit something to come in according to them. You know, night came, I went in my tent and as just as I'm dozing off, I hear this like pop sound and I start going, well, that was weird, but eh, I could have been one of a million things in the forest. I start dozing off again and I hear it once more. And I was to the point where I was staying up, just listening and listening. And I can hear the sound going off, off, and I can hear it moving around closer, farther away. And I mean, it's going every two to three minutes to the point where I got out of my tent kind of mad because it's not letting me sleep. Now, mm -hmm. at this point, I'm like, it's just a weird sound. I wasn't saying it's, oh, it's Bigfoot or something. And yeah. I shined my light around. I didn't see anything. But then I started hearing it. And the last, I'm going to say the last few times I heard it, I started going, that's weird. It doesn't sound, almost sounds like lips smacking. Um, but there's some sort of extracurricular sound to it, like a cluck kind of. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to uh, Daryl Collier one time on a podcast. And he starts talking about how they do throat clucks. That's what he said, mm -hmm. throat clucks. And as soon as he said that, I was like, that's the sound that I'm looking for, you know, yeah. or pop clucks, he said. Some, he said the word clucks. It almost sounded like a chicken's cluck with a pop in it. That's yeah. exactly what I had been hearing in, you know, Sierra Nevadas. And I can, I remember it as clear as day, Yeah. you know? And so, I mean, that's a different sound that we've, I've heard personally. So I've heard the, uh, I've heard that and I've heard these weird popping noises. So, yeah. I don't know about rock clacking though, but I've heard it, people talk about it a lot. I've I've witnessed the rock clacking um, 
it's a big thing down here, uh, especially mm. where I camp. I hear it all the time. Um, it just, there's no other, there's different kinds, but there's just nothing like it that you can mimic in nature. Um, because you get, you know, where you can hear the rocks hitting each other like this, or you yeah. can hear where it sounds like they literally lifted a boulder and threw it down on another boulder. Um, mm. just there's, there's a lot of different noises that come with it. Um, the tree knocks again, like we find that we only hear them when we enter or leave the woods. Like we really don't hear them other than that. We will hear bird calls, um, that aren't, that don't make any sense. Um, and at night, especially we'll hear different birds that aren't really supposed to make noise at night. And so we hear those a lot and we think that they may be location, uh, locator calls as well. Um, hmm. but yeah, the rock clacking mouth pops, I've heard a lot of mouth pops. Um, my hmm. old, uh, co-host Dustin Clark, he used to could do this, it was this, I can't even do it, but this, uh, um, that sounds weird to it's mouth this mouth pop he could do it so well and so he would do it when we'd go out and research and it was yeah. it was phenomenal like it was a good pop um i just don't think that the uh species in our area i don't think that's a thing that they do um but my mother has um she has experienced ground thumping mm -hmm. and now that is something that terrifies that would terrify me you know if you're out there and it just boom, boom you know or chest thumping is another thing that you hear um it's that deep thump that you hear so i see yeah the rock clacking it's weird because i do know people that have experienced that rock clacking in different places like humboldt uh mm -hmm. there was a big group of guys including robert laterman who told me the story that he they heard this thing walk all the way up the valley and it was doing this you know clap or rock clack and it's just clack 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 and you know in the stretch of maybe half a mile they heard it 64 times. Oh my god. And then gosh. recently up in Washington, some gentlemen recorded some uh some claps just like that. Yeah. You know? So it's it's and it's under the same circumstance, people in their tents and this this sound of clapping kind of walking by. Yeah. So and that's, be like I uh, mean uh, they all thought maybe an adult looking for a little one and that's how they're kind of calling them, yeah. you know, let them know where they are. Because I know there are animals that break open different things with rocks. And so if you're in that area, that's something to consider. But if it's clapping and moving, um, it's probably not an otter breaking open a shell or something or, a, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but I, I think it's the rock clacking. I still, that one's a mystery to me. It's just, I've heard it so much and I still don't understand what it means unless it's replacing a knock in like in our area. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. Hold on, let me see if there's some questions in here somewhere. Probably not. Oh my gosh, there's a lot going on in the chat. In the busy, chat. busy, busy. They are busy, 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 which I love. <laughs> you were supposed to wear sunglasses. I I don't. Tate gave you one job. I couldn't one find job. him. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, Let's see. I had another question for you and I cannot remember what it was. Um, it wasn't about the, the clacking. 
I don't remember what it was. I will think of it and I will It'll get back to it. you. It will come to you. It will come to me. Um, what is the most compelling witness encounter that you've heard so far? Okay. I've heard a few. Oh, boy. One of my favorite ones. Did you ask most compelling? Yes. Okay. I saw, I met this professor. I was at a big five and I was in um, Porterville. California. And if you're familiar with that, I mean, it's kind of like the hood, but just above Porterville, there are those, uh, there's a Thule Indian tribe. And then the Thule Indian tribe reservation are the, uh, the big boulders with the Bigfoot, the hairy man pictographs. Okay. I haven't been to those, right. But I've yeah. been in the mountains way above there. Okay. And, uh, I was down in Porterville exiting a big five and there was a guy that noticed this Bigfoot sticker on me and he kind of looked over did that double take. Then he walks over. He goes, "Oh, you into Bigfoot?" And I go, "Yeah." And he's like, "Huh?" And he kind of did this pause. I, I was like, you know, almost like an invitation. And I go, "What do you know? What do you, you you interested in that too?" He goes, "You know." And he starts shaking his head, kind of reluctantly, starts telling me this story. He goes, "I happened to see one a few years ago." I go, "Well, what happened?" He says, "Well, he was working at the time. He said as a substitute, and he said that what he saw was he was on a dirt road." above the Tule Indian Reservation. That's in the uh, southernmost section of the Sequoia National Forest, not Sequoia National Park, Sequoia National Forest that's more okay. to the south. And he was on this dirt road coming down and he saw something come off the hillside. It looked like it was on all fours, like a bear running downhill at full speed. He says it jumped onto the road, its hands hit the road, and he said hands, hit the road, hands. then its feet met up with its hands, then it stood up on two feet and kept running down the mountain. So it ran down the road in front of him, crossed the road, and then ran down. So it almost like caught itself with its front hands, like moving yeah. fast. And I don't know, the guy seemed totally, completely sane. Yeah. You know, and was almost like embarrassed to tell his story. Didn't ask That's for anything. Insane. And I just thought, man, this guy, he's got to be telling the truth. I mean, there's no there's no yeah. way. He didn't ask for anything. <laughs> didn't know I have a YouTube channel. Didn't ask any of that. So I don't know. That was a pretty compelling one. Kind of fell out of the blue. That's crazy. That is very compelling. Like that would, I you know, that would that would be amazing to get a witness encounter like that. To have that experience would be phenomenal. Um, I I want my first experience like that to be from a, a moving vehicle where you know you can see <laughs> it safe. and then yeah and then drive away and be like oh did you see that whoa you know. Uh, it's going to happen when it shakes your tent at night, though. Exactly. So. You know, I've had so many experiences <laughs> uh, recently, even to where I heard th this was recently. I had something walking around my tent and there was one on either side of my tent. One had come up the creek. One had come down the ridge. They're walking around. I can hear them touching things and bipedal footsteps. And I'm sitting there. And I'm like, Lauren, all you have to do is sit up and turn on your headlamp and you will see a Bigfoot. Yeah, you will do this. And I Didn't kept laying there and I'm like, Lauren, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You've got this. Yeah. And I laid there and I just, I couldn't do it. And so um, this is, this is the kind of researcher I learned that I am. Um, my, my boyfriend was in the tent with me and my kids and he had to go to the bathroom. And mm -hmm. so he leaves the tent to go to the bathroom. Now, did I tell him that there was something walking out there? No. 
did I plan it that way so that he would have a sighting and then I could interrogate him about his witness encounter? Yes. I planned ahead like a good researcher does. Yeah. And I yeah. let him go out to have his encounter because I'm so kind. Um, he did not have an encounter and he was quite upset with me that I did not warn him that there was... <laughs> you're the one that monster. takes a you're the one that takes like a chubby friend hiking in case of a bear attack yeah and right? then you trip them and then you run away you, you know yeah. you don't have to outrun the bear you just outrun them you just have to outrun the so like slowest person goodness yeah yeah um <laughs> but i i i i i'm bad i'm terrible um but i I, I knew if I sat up, I would have that sighting. I really knew mm -hmm. it in my bones, but I just could not make myself do it. And How much I've do you been, regret it? I do. I regret it, but I also remember what I was feeling in that moment. And it was mm -hmm. kind of this like full body lockdown feeling like I literally could not make myself reach out and grab my light. I wasn't scared in that mm -hmm. moment, but I was... Welcome to Nightcaller's Archives. Before Nightcaller's became a vidcast on YouTube and Facebook, it was a live call-in show on Blog Talk Radio. We did things a little differently back then. It was a different time in the Bigfoot world. There were only a few podcasts, and Bigfoot was still taboo to talk about. We didn't have the TV shows, hundreds of Bigfoot groups and conferences, or funny memes that we have now. There were different times, folks. We've had many amazing hosts and knowledgeable guests over the years that help get the Bigfoot community to where it is now. We hope you enjoy these older shows, as they are a phenomenal source of information and good times. If you hear a guest or host that you would love to see back on the current Nightcallers, please drop a comment. Enjoy the show! I, I knew that if I turned Sounds my like light on and saw that, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. That's all it was. You were ready. I got you. Yeah. 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 So, no, I, I, I just feel like, man, um, I guess I, I had this experience in 2015 and I want to say I regret it every single day. I'm actually like, I get mad about it sometimes. Yeah. Like I, if, if I saw another one and didn't record it, I can't tell you how mad I would be at myself. I'm serious yeah. about that. Like, I'd no, so I get mad. it. I get it. Every you Bigfoot know, researcher, we're, we're adrenaline junkies, right? So that's every Bigfoot researcher, you're an adrenaline junkie. And so you hear something moving in the woods and you want to run off in the woods and you're like, no, mm, nope, can't do it. And then when you leave the woods and come back, you're like, I should have done no. it. I should have yeah. done it. I would have seen it. Um, but so most of the time I do regret it. This one, I, I'm just, mm, you know, but anyway, tell me about your experience. Yeah. No, I was in 2015. It's actually Northern Sierra Nevada mountains. And uh, I was, this is the same uh, instance I was talking a little bit ago where I heard those pops. This is actually You're three right. nights later. Um, so three nights later, um, we had been having all this like activity go on that we couldn't explain. We had heard this like weird power knock thing at like three in the morning. And you know, this is the this was the final night. We've already found what we think was a trackway that came right through Campbell. We were all gone. Um, so this was the final night. I was kind of like the last person to turn in. Everybody had dispersed to their tents. There was one guy that had just gone into his tent when I was using this thermal imager that a, mm -hmm. a friend of, of ours had. And 
it didn't have record capability, of course, right? Because it's we're looking for Bigfoot, so why would it have record capability? But it was like in the form of like a rifle scope. This is my yeah. first time using a thermal imager. I'd been using it on and off for like the three nights, you know. And you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that you see that looks exactly like Bigfoot when you look through one of those, and you have to focus on it and see what it is, and you end up walking over to it, and you go, "It's just a rock that was you know mm -hmm. hit by the sun and held a lot of heat." So. Right. Uh, it was the last last night, and I'm kind of panning over, and I see what looks like a person. And I'm going, okay, I'm kind of waiting for it, just like everything else, to not be a person and it be a rock. But I did notice that it started to move a little bit. And I go, okay, well, is it someone in our camp? Is it, you know, what could it be? Mm -hmm. It starts moving a little bit more, doing this kind of swaying motion. And then it starts to take a little bit of a step to its left. And that's when I knew one, it's way I put down the scope and it's just pitch black all the way out there. And I'm like, yeah. there's no way that any of us, any of my buddies got up and went up there to relieve themselves or something. Yeah. Uh, it's just too far away. And right. I didn't see any headlamps go out there. And we kind of did this like waiting game in the morning. I had told the guys, I said, you know, I watched it for maybe 30 seconds. It was actually two minutes and 30, about just over two minutes that I had watched it, but it went by like that. I was kind of like paralyzed with fear. It was not this way I imagined a sighting going, you know? Mm -hmm. As soon as I saw it, it was just standing there. And uh, it looked like it was doing this thing where it was, what I think it was doing is waiting for me to look away. It doesn't know I'm holding a thermal imager, mm -hmm. but I'm looking in its general direction. And I think it was mm -hmm. kind of standing still waiting for me to turn. Yeah. It looked like it was trying to go across the hillside to the left and just stopped. And I finally looked at it. I, uh, there was a guy that was camping in his cot right in front of me. And I ended up like trying to wake him up to the point where I kicked him in the ribs. And he finally woke up. I had met this guy like three days ago. I finally kicked him in the ribs. He wakes up. He goes, what's up? I go, dude, I'm looking at this thing. I'm just like spilling like word vomit trying to yeah. get myself together. Um, I wish I could tell a tough guy story about how I ran over there and saw what it was. Um, but I was kind of like paralyzed with fear and I've never mm -hmm. felt never felt like that um in my life and uh there finally came this moment where it turned and just walked down and i can clearly see its hand you know go up and i can see its leg bend over some ferns and oh, step over and then it went down this little hillside and we can both hear it go crunch 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 and walk away and uh i tried to record it with my gopro through the lens and it's like between being paralyzed with fear kind of you know yeah. and, like trying to line it up correctly it was just like impossible so it happened i missed my opportunity to film one you know i didn't see it that way i i was thought it was just going to be a, a weekend out in the woods you know looking yeah. for bigfoot not a weekend of finding bigfoot so <laughs> well, I, I think that's story all these years later trying to still film one that's an amazing encounter though and i know you didn't film it and you regret that but that it's it's encounters like that that fuel our passion and keep us going you know and you have that you know what you saw you have it let it motivate you to go find it you know mm, um yeah. i think that's amazing that's an amazing encounter like i would i would be fine with that for now like having that kind of encounter also um so whenever someone does the study on how dangerous it is to, to camp with tate it is also apparently dangerous to be around Jonathan if there is a Bigfoot around because you'll need full body like Kevlar. Don't um, fall asleep. Don't, don't fall, fall asleep, asleep around him. 
<laughs> oh my god, that killed me. I it took everything I had to pay attention to the rest of the story because I was stuck on that. Like, <laughs> I can just picture you like yeah. kicking. You know, I'm still friends with the guy I kicked in the ribs. So <coughs> that's cool. good. Forgive me. Um. So Petikov had a question, non Bigfoot question for Jonathan. <clears throat> Favorite backpacking slash hiking trip? Oh man, it's probably going to be the dead, the one I did Mount Whitney in an overnight. Um, I've done other ones, you know, a few days in the Sierras, Nevadas, all over the Southern California mountains. I know those Southern California mountains of San Gabriel's very well. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of places that people even haven't been in there that I've gotten to get into. Um, but favorite one i'd have to say man hiking mount whitney was just like a surreal experience you know when you're like in your tent at twelve thousand feet and you go to roll over and you just roll over in your tent and you're winded absolutely winded oh my gosh yeah you know and then getting up to you know the tallest peak in the lower 48 that's it that was a nice one that was a good one i couldn't imagine i haven't hiked at that elevation i don't i don't think i would make it I you even have elevation out there where you're at no that's not the point that's not no, the point not. the point is okay that even if we did i would still die um <laughs> we have mountains ish yeah. long rolling mountains right there are mountains there's there's an elevation change there okay a little bit yeah we have ridges. That's good. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. Every every uh, ecosystem, every terrain has its own challenges in itself. So I've met guys that have hiked Mount Whitney with no problem, but given up on the Appalachian Trail just because it's so disheartening, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no, there's elevation change, but there's no big to high elevation. So it's all, yeah. it's all different stuff. Oh man, I used to dream about doing the AT and now I'm like, I dream about doing small version of that <laughs> like yeah. we had to lower our goals a little um but i'm hoping when my kids get bigger we'll be we'll be doing that yeah um, get back to it. meet a lot of yeah. hikers out there yeah so i do like a whole presentation on getting your kids out into nature and training them up to be the next generation of bigfoot researchers and part of that is getting them out into nature so um we're actually cool. going camping this weekend uh in arkansas i have a conference that i'm speaking at and so if you are going to the Enola Big Arkansas Bigfoot Conference, I'll see you there, guys. Um, okay, so Tate had another question. What's your favorite part about camping at the PG film site? That besides you're at not, the PG not film dying. Site? Besides yeah. not dying. Uh, yeah, not you're dying. at the PG film site. It's just like surreal place, you know? And um, you've, you've never been, right, Lauren? Haven't been? Uh, no, no. I was supposed to meet up with Kip and go there. Mm, last year or the year before and i didn't make it so okay well you still got many years to go next year bring next year. your kids beach too, foot. You know? we'll go there it's fine there you go you just get a beach <laughs> foot. don't worry about beach foot. No. <laughs> i had fun no. at beach foot. kip was very welcoming and he makes very strong drinks i found out so that was my introduction to kip they're not strong to him oh you my know? god <laughs> no no uh, the patterson game on film site it's a really cool place because now, as you see, it's a total jungle. And if you go to like my Instagram page, one of my very first posts is these blend pictures that I did. It's showing the film site today, exactly where Roger Patterson knelt. And I also show it, uh, you know, 1967. And I kind of put those frames over top of each other. 
And even though you see it's this like complete jungle, once yeah. you see those images overlaid, you see, oh my gosh, this is exactly that sandy, you know, that sand, that sunny yeah. sandbar from 1967. It kind of comes to life when you're there. Yeah. Hard to explain that, but uh, I've once seen you see it. I've seen the the post that you made. It it was phenomenal because it's. Oh yeah, thank you. I mean, it's it's really good because you know a lot of us can't make it there, and you know a lot of us when you mention the PG film site, we picture you know, just rocks and, and white dirt and a bank and clear. And you posted that and it was, it's completely different, but you can yeah. still see where it used to be. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that the work that the Bluff Creek project guys did. I mean, it took them years to finally come to a consensus on where the film site is, but they'll take you there. And like I had Rowdy Kelly's like probably the best one at explaining the film site. If mm -hmm. you guys, any way you get a chance to go out with Rowdy Kelly to the PG film site, go it shows you all the stumps. Shows you all the trees in the background. There's even that that log on the floor in front of Patty with the little snag in it. That's still yeah. there. Everything's still there. Only it looks like a jungle. Yeah, that's cr it's crazy how much uh, it's nature, of course, but how how much a an area can change um, from like my mom's had different sightings and she's gone back to those areas and it looks nothing like that anymore. Um, all right, hold on. There was another question. Uh, Matthew would like to know. Jonathan, do you have a consistent research area? Um, I've been plugging away at this place here in Idaho. I live in Boise, Idaho. And the place that I go to is about two hours away from me. So it's not a place that I can get to all the time. But I do get there. Every, I'd like to say, well, it was I, I was there maybe two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go up again here uh, this upcoming week. And I'm going to try to get a couple overnights in uh, before the snow comes. But it's a place... Uh, just north of Boise, up in the uh, Boise National Forest up there. And uh, there's been, what, three or four pretty good BFRO reports. Uh, if you follow the Bigfoot Mapping Project, if you have that app, it's mm -hmm. such a great app. And there's a couple new reports on there um, in this particular area. So it's kind of reassuring that I am feel like I'm looking in the right area. And uh, when actually, when Tate and I, Tate, me and Ron, went up there last year, uh, we were kind of doing knocks all night and just kind of at a, this moment we were just talking. We just heard this clear, you know, baseball bat to the tree, classic knock type that you heard. And we recorded it. Um, that's on Tate's channel. Um, it's in his Idaho episode. I don't have my episode up yet. Hopefully in before the end of the year, I will. But uh, yeah, we heard this clear, <laughs> super clear knock. And, you know, while, you know, not saying it was Bigfoot, but. You know, what else does a loud, clear knock? That's just, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. We we walked down that road to try to find what it was. This was late, late, late at night, maybe, I don't know, around midnight. And we didn't see anything. We had a bear come through early in the morning, but that was about it. Um, but yeah, I keep focusing on this particular place in Idaho. And I'm going to keep, uh, I have a few videos in the can, actually, of stuff that I'm going to put out. That's amazing. Idaho was... We drove through Idaho to go to uh, Washington when I was doing the Medellin Falls Conference and then going to Beachfoot. And I could not believe how beautiful it was there, but also how squatchy. Like, I just kept saying, it's so squatchy here. It's so squatchy. Like, I was like a little kid in my seat. Um, yeah. You probably I mean, passed I, through the northern side. North, northern, we did. Right? Yeah. yeah, north Idaho and south Idaho, completely different. Uh, south okay. Idaho has more of like a desert terrain. And okay. um, it's funny, if you go all the way to the, so the south, there's these big canyon mountains that look like something out of star wars you know yeah. and there is a gentleman that sent some pictures to a friend of mine that i also have 
that he's claiming that he's regularly seeing these things. So we yeah. we're also going to get out there very soon. This this is a most recent development, but um, I've seen I've heard a lot of reports of desert sightings of Bigfoot. As mm -hmm. much as you may not think that that's a thing, um, you know I don't. And people are like, "What do you think about that?" I'm like, oh, "Cave systems, canyons, ravines." Like, yeah. I mean. It's almost easier in these mountains. I would think it's almost easier for them to hide in those like desert mountains that are inaccessible to most of us as yeah. opposed to these, you know, forest mountains. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, m most humans, most sane humans do not venture out into desert areas um, too far because, you know, it's harder to survive out there. Um, so if they have a consistent food source, water source, all of that, like, why would we go out there? That would be a good place. I do. I concur. All right. Last question from Tate Hieronymus. I don't know if you know him. He's kind of a no crazy kid. All right. He says, Jonathan, what was it like to go to Jeff Meldrum's lab? Oh, it was great. I actually went there with them. But uh, we took a look at those same hairs that we looked at with Cliff Brackman. And we went over mm -hmm. there. And it was so cool because... Um, you know how you see all these people online and on TV and stuff, and you meet them in person, yeah. and they're maybe they're not different. the person you expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Dr. Meldrum is the opposite. Like, I thought maybe I was like, you know, I don't want to waste his time. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll look at these hairs real quick. Like, after about like five minutes, we I realized that this guy is just he's just so excited to talk about Bigfoot with fellow like Bigfoot enthusiasts only yeah, yeah. intelligence level and amount of research is way, way beyond ours. Right. But we were there. I think he was like, you know, I got to go over to the smoke. I got to leave tomorrow early morning to the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot conference last year. And yeah. so he's like, you know, we'll meet for about an hour. We were there for like three hours. And even at that, we were still cutting it short, but it was so cool because yeah. I got to ask a few questions. Um, I'm an MRI tech. So anatomy something I have to know and something I'm interested mm -hmm. in something that yeah. when I'm scanning people's feet and legs, maybe I'm looking at certain anomalies and kind of, you know, remembering mm -hmm. certain things, watching how they walk, you know, and yeah. it's funny. You see some of these, uh, these pathologies translate into Bigfoot stuff like a uh, wrinkle foot, for example, and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know? Um, yeah. But <clears throat> we went over a few things like that. And I had a few questions about how that mid tarsal break actually worked with the ligaments and, Mm -hmm. all that and he gave me a much more detailed explanation than what's in his book and what you see on That's tv amazing and he's, he's like so happy to do it yeah. total nice guy it was a great great time that's amazing that's amazing that you could um bend his ear on that and kind of get some answers that i'm sure would have been you know bothering you mm -hmm. a little bit and that's phenomenal i love that i love that for you i love yeah, that for you awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um i I get it. I have a fat, like obsession with infrasound. And so mm. when I got, I got Doug Highcheck on the podcast and I just nerded out, like I just went like, I'm sorry if you guys all wanted to hear about anything else Doug had to talk about. That's not what this show is about. This show is about infrasound. So, <laughs> yeah, um, so I get Which it. Which is pretty cool. The recent study that came out, right. About mm -hmm. the gorillas being able to use yes. infrasound. Like now we know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so Shane Carpenter out of Missouri, he actually, um, you should just listen to that pod. I don't know if you've caught that podcast on, uh, my podcast with him, but he has, um, he has some good stuff going with the infrasound thing. He has a way to 
capture it and a way to examine it. And he's like, so if we could just uh, get know when it's happening. And I'm like, well, I can tell you when it's happening because it happens to me all the time. And I can tell you mm -hmm. when I feel it. And then you can just do your thing and tell me what the heck it is. Like, let's do this. So yeah. um, anyway, it was that's that's my nerd nerd out is infrasound. So <laughs> it's cool. Nerd geez, out. It. Tate, Tate, Hieronymus, 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 Anonymous, Hieronymus, Anonymous. Um, thank you, Tate, for being here tonight. Really appreciate your support and patronage. Um, thank you, Todd, and everyone else for being here also. Um, yes, so some primate experts recently stated that they believe that male gorilla produce infrasound that affects female gorilla. Z. Pretty amazing. It That's is how they speak game. Yeah, basically, like, I mean, <sighs> Tate, Tate. So, with Michelle. that being said, <laughs> featuring <Tate>. Jonathan. <laughs> uh, well, you didn't wear your sunglasses, so this is. I know it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> this is your punishment. It's Tate. Um, so, with that, thank you so much for coming on tonight. You have been a fantastic guest, and I definitely really want to have you back on because I feel like we kind of barely scraped the surface, and I, I have a lot more questions. So, I would love to have you back on. Um, so hopefully we can get that set up before next year because I know it took Absolutely. us a while to get this one going. Um, and don't be a surface pooper like Tate. That is my advice. There you go. You yes. Yes. The story <laughs> made it into the podcast. Good. Good. Please bury your poop. Poop. That is Everyone bury don't... your poop. Take a shovel Everyone... with you to the woods. Don't yes. take a bucket with a bag on it and leave it there all weekend either. Take the shovel. Dig it. Stop. Stop Go in the hole. Cover really? It. Tate, you upped your game somehow? Tate. Oh, there's, there's, we'll leave it at that. Oh my I gosh. Like so we need to have a private after hours show for anyone that wants to hear about the adventures of Tate Hieronymus. Um, and uh, like we said, don't be a surface pooper. Don't. <laughs> Don't don't uh, an bury environmental your... monster. No, I think that he actually fertilized the land. If you think about it, there was a little pine tree growing right where he. Last time I went up there, he literally went in the middle of the road because that's he's also. Um, I don't even. Uh, I'm trying step. to think of which animals go in the middle of the road, like geese. Tate, you're a goose. I don't know, like. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So thank you all for coming on tonight. Thank you for supporting my amazing guest, Jonathan Easley. Please go support him by going to his YouTube, Western Bigfoot Exploration, subscribing, liking, ringing that notification bell because he puts out videos probably way more often than I do. So go check out his videos. Thank you for listening to the show. Stay safe, be kind, and I will see you all next time. Thank you so much for listening. Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio is a Nightcaller's production, created and hosted by me, Lauren Smith. If you'd like to support the show further, you can share episodes with other believers and seekers of the truth. Leave a positive review or subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. 
We also have merch. Visit the links on our Instagram and Facebook pages to check it out. Stay safe, be kind, and I'll see y'all next time.